is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is Leo Severino, one of the producers of a new film, Cabrini, about the first American saint, Francis Xavier Cabrini. Leo Severino is a 20-year Hollywood veteran and a founding partner of Metanoia Films. His producing and screenwriting debut was the acclaimed feature film, Bella, which was the winner of the People's Choice Award at the Toronto Film Festival. Subsequent films include Little Boy and Sound of Freedom. Welcome to the show, Leo. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. I caught an interesting thing in the ending credits of Cabrini, where Francesca Cabrini herself is listed as one of the executive producers of the film. Is that a little Easter egg? I mean, she died in 1917. She was canonized in 1946. So how can she be an executive producer on this project? Oh, you know, we... uh... We believe in eternal life, don't we? We sure do. It was uh, something that uh, she said in her own life, which, which was the world is too small for what she intends, intended to do. That was a quote after meeting with uh, with Pope Leo XIII about being a missionary in China. And he sent her to to uh, to New York to start there. And, uh, you know, when we, when we heard that quote, we thought, boy, that, that's a mouthful. But then we really thought about it. We thought, well, she didn't say the world is too small while she was alive. So our hope is that our film is kind of an extension of her work from way back then. And it continues now. We're hoping to shine a light on her life so that it can inspire other people. Mm-hmm. Mother Cabrini was certainly a woman of persistence and faith. Uh, she overcame injury early in her life that weakened her lungs. And yet she accomplished so much during a time when many people were struggling. How did she do that? Well, it's uh, by the grace of God more than anything, but also she had this incredible drive, this incredible determination, this incredible faith. So yeah, so most people don't know. I mean, I'm impressed, Chris. You already know more in, in your first 30 seconds of the interview than uh, than I, I did about Mother Cabrini, even though she's the first American saint. In fact, I thought Elizabeth Ann Seton was the first American saint. First American-born saint, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton from our own Archdiocese of Baltimore, right? Exactly, right. Yeah, with the first canonized American citizen, it was Mother Cabrini. Uh, but yes, you're right. She, she When she was young, she got smallpox, almost died. Then she had tuberculosis. Um, post-tuberculosis, her lungs were compromised. Then she almost drowned in a river. When she was uh, just a young kid, they, they only gave her months, if not years, to live. And so, you know, the biggest adversity she faced kind of in her entire life was death itself. Every day she would wake up thinking, you know, this might be my last day. And instead of depressing her or demoralizing her, it drove her. Uh, she figured if I only have a limited amount of time left, as we all do, she took it very seriously. She's like, I, I better get to work. I better help, um, you know, those who are facing greater adversities than even me. So that was kind of her driving force. How did you get involved in this project with the film Carini, Leo? Well, um, our executive producer, Eustace Wolfington, uh, he was the one who, who funded our first film, Bella. Um, he called me one day and he said, you know, after Bella, I want to make another film. And this was, you know, years later, we'd already made Little Boy and Sound of Freedom. And he said, um, I want to make a film about Mother Cabrini. And I said, Mother who? <laughs> he had to explain to me about Mother Cabrini. And I thought, 
boy, this is a film about a 19th century nun who, who no one really knows. And I was like, this is going to be a, a tough go. And he was basically like, ye of little faith. And he sent me a book on her life. And when I read all the incredible things that she did and, and I saw uh, uh, all the adversity she overcame, I thought this is one of the greatest underdog stories ever. Mm -hmm. Bigger than Rocky, because she was, you know, facing an entire governments and institutions. And, you know, her overcoming them was a matter of life and death for so many people. And when, you know, all this kind of came into play, and then I realized how she touched the lives of millions of people, and no one really knows her name. I figured that's it. I'm in. What was the process of researching and bringing her story to the page and, and then ultimately to the screen? Well, uh, the first thing we did was, yeah, Eustace had me read some books on her life. He had a, he had a concept himself because he, he's been, he, he had such a devotion to her since he was young. She inspired him in so many ways, particularly in his businesses. He was the man who invented uh, car leasing. The concept of car leasing didn't exist. He came up with it and it took him a couple decades to convince the entire automotive industry that this should be the way that uh, cars are exchanged between manufacturers and consumers. And he attributes the success of that ultimately to Mother Cabrini. Um, but anyways, uh, to the question, I forgot, I forgot the question. I'm sorry, Chris. So how did, how did you research the story and then, oh, that's and then right. bring it so to the screen? Me, he had me read these books. He already knew her story. And then um, we contacted, I got in touch with our writer, Rod Barr, who um, he also wrote uh, Sound of Freedom with us and, and our uh, next film as well. He's writing with us. He's just unbelievable. And Eustace had him read 26 books on her lives, every book that existed on her lives, including all of her letters. And then flew him to Codogno, Italy, to her convent to to get this real scoop from the historians there and then to the vatican to research the archives and also to um to read her canonization trial and then fly to new york follow her footsteps from new york to chicago to denver to la hit all her shrines and then used said rod you are now ready to write <laughs> this screenplay so I think he is now kind of the preeminent Cabrini expert in the world. Probably. Yeah, I grew up in Chicago and we we heard all the time about the Cabrini homes, which was a, a housing project that was named after uh, Francis Cabrini. Uh, it ended up being really not a very good place to live after a while. Um, yeah. And it, eventually it was closed and, and replaced with something else. But the name Cabrini was familiar to me the whole time I was growing up because her sisters had served there and 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 she had an impact there. She did. In fact, she, she would choose the most, you know, the, the toughest areas, right? She landed in New York and she landed at this area of Five Points, which is has was made famous by uh, Scorsese's Gangs of New York film. Mm -hmm. He filmed that during kind of the Italian-Irish um, wars that were happening there. But that place was always a, a slum. Millions of immigrants were crammed into these tenements. And so she would pick the, the most dire of, of circumstances and choose you know, those places to, to establish shops. So it's not surprising that, you know, somewhere in Chicago, she should be there uh, mm -hmm. helping, helping in, in, the, in the worst of areas. Mm -hmm. What surprised you most about Mother Cabrini's life? So many things. I mean, the, the most important thing that, that surprised me about her life was how she would, she wouldn't see obstacles as signs contrary to God's will. She would see them as signs that God wanted her to be even more determined. Mm -hmm. Very interesting uh, mentality, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. most people think, like, oh, maybe God doesn't want me to do this. There's too many obstacles, and um, and and he's shutting all these doors. She always thought if the initial seed was something that she can discern from grace, she was going to do whatever she can uh, to overcome it. And she has this motto. It's actually in the film, where um, she said, "You can either serve your weakness or your purpose." Mm -hmm. but not, not both right and that really that really 
touches the heart because I think we all face this every day, right? We wake up and, you know, there's the weakness of even wanting to sometimes to get out of bed because it's too early for this or that or, or whatnot. And, uh, but if you, if you're called to do something, I think we have to hopefully follow in her footsteps and just go. Mm -hmm. I once read a commentary about Paul's letter to Titus in which Titus had originally written to Paul saying, Hey, you sent me here and it's a hell hole and it's a cesspool and there's lots and lots of sinners here and there's, and it's just so terrible. And, and how am I supposed to do this? And Paul writes back to Titus and basically says, if it wasn't a hell hole, if it wasn't a cesspool, if it wasn't full of sinners, they wouldn't need you shut up mm. and get to work. So it <laughs> sounds like that's kind of what mother Karini did as she went along. Just yeah. Get to work. There's a common thread amongst these saints, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The movie includes several really derogatory terms for Italians, Jews, Poles, Irish. I won't say them here. I, I think they are integral to the film. I, I don't think they were gratuitous. But were you concerned at all about using such language to highlight the discrimination that immigrants in the late 1800s, the early 1900s experienced in the U.S.? No, not, no, we weren't concerned at all. I mean, um, obviously, we're not going to use vulgarity or profanities or blasphemy or anything like that. That's just contrary to to the faith. But um, no, these terms, um, we even put them in Mother Cabrini's mouth because mm -hmm. saying them to the people who were affected by these things and then had the opportunity to make a change precisely because of the harshness of what was said. Uh, of the way these people were treated. Uh, and most people don't know that it was, it was, it was fiercely anti-Italian, anti-Catholic sentiment at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's something that, that uh, I, I think was, 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 was worthwhile in the film so that people nowadays can understand that, you know, right. These sorts of things um, happened and, and, and hopefully it's a lesson for them not to continue to happen that uh, people mm -hmm. are treated with dignity. Do you have a story about your own family's immigration and does this film speak in some way to the immigration debate that continues today in our country? In the immigration debate, I don't think so. I mean, uh, the, the director, Alejandro Monteverde, and myself, Alejandro is an immigrant from Mexico. My parents were immigrants from Colombia. I was born here, but the inside of my house was basically Colombia, you know, mm -hmm. and we're, we're very grateful. Um, now, Mother Cabrini, she wasn't interested in immigration at all. She was interested in the immigrant. Okay, and it's a it's a particular distinction. Um, she she she's the sort of person that uh, you know we have this in the film. If she would walk by and she knew that there was someone, she would walk by someone who was who was in need or in trouble, and she couldn't do something about it. She would stay up at night figuring out what she could do about it. Uh, I wish we all had that sort of same sentiment and mentality. Really seems like she saw the dignity in each person, no matter who they are, whether it was a prostitute or whether it was children on the streets. Uh, there's a line in the movie that says, you know, people came to the U.S. expecting streets paved with gold and they were paved with the bodies of dead children. Yes. You know, and it seems like she really understood that God was in each person and needed to be saved. That's right. And, and um, the film was meant in, in so many ways to just put a shine a light on her life and, and reflect what she did. But I think it's it might be difficult for people to understand. They might think, you know, this was common fare or they can't really relate. Uh, so if, if you don't mind, I'll share a story that I think sure. might make it relevant to people. Uh, as you mentioned, Mother Cabrini was canonized in 1946. Well, there was a young nun who was at that canonization in 1946, who months later, she was a Loretto nun, which was a teaching order. And she uh, asked permission to leave her her order and start her own order of missionaries in the mold of Mother Cabrini. Well, that nun, her name is Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think I got chills because I knew that's what you were going to say. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that beautiful? And so I think people, we, when we see mother Teresa, it becomes much more real. Well, mother Teresa was inspired to do what she did precisely because of mother Cabrini. Mm -hmm. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Leo Severino, one of the producers of the new movie Cabrini. This is Chris Gunty and you're listening to Catholic review radio. Bishop William E. Laurie celebrates Holy Mass at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception and honors the Little Sisters of the Poor at Guadalupe Radio Network's Fishers of Men Benefit Dinner, April 27th. Radio host Debbie Giorgiani keynotes the evening at Catholic University of America. The Little Sisters' tireless work with the elderly, heroic witness to women discerning vocations and standing up for religious freedom are why they're being recognized. At grnonline.com, learn more. Catholic Review Media is a proud sponsor of Guadalupe Radio network catholic news from the archdiocese of baltimore and around the world with the catholic review as seek the city planning process for parishes in baltimore city move into the draft modeling stage the discussion moves from what could be done to what should be done according to auxiliary bishop bruce lewandowski urban vicar in a meeting attended by more than 160 parish leaders february 12th at saint mary's seminary and university in roland park the bishop said he is often asked why the archdiocese just doesn't tell people how many and which parishes are going to be closed. Quote, you'll know the plan when I do, because we are all here doing it together, he said. The people who will be affected by the decisions are helping to make them. End quote. Participants were asked to weigh in on various questions about the data presented and possible models of parish types. An extensive segment of the meeting broke the group into regions of North, East, South, West, and Central, reflecting on which parish types would best help bring the Eucharistic vision of a church to life in their region. Bishop Lewandowski noted that each parish should serve 500 to 1,000 families. Depending on the size of its campus and buildings, he noted this is not an archdiocesan criterion, but something that religious denominations across the board have determined is critical mass for sustainability. The Seek the City team has reported in the past that there are enough seats for 25,000 people to attend Mass on any given Sunday, but total Mass attendance on weekends in city churches combined is about one-tenth of that number. The draft modeling discussions will continue with a day-long meeting March 8th and another half-day meeting March 22nd. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. And to learn more about Seek the City to Come, visit archbalt.org forward slash seek the city. That's archbalt.org forward slash seek the city. Scott Rises, a 1989 Calvert Hall College High School graduate who regularly works with the likes of Bette Midler, Harry Connick Jr., and Mariah Carey, had sparkles in his eyes February 4th at the 2024 Grammy Awards in Los Angeles. He won the coveted gramophone icon as one of the producers of an album for the Broadway production of Some Like It Hot. Riza said he was shocked and thrilled for the recognition at the 66th annual awards event. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For everyone at Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We're back on Catholic Review Radio. A new film about Mother Frances Cabrini, the first American citizen to be canonized, is coming soon, and we're talking with Leo Severino, one of the producers. Leo, Cabrini seems to be a very dark film. Um, Even in the shots that are in the daytime, when you'd think, oh, there's sunlight and everything is wonderful, it's certainly somber. 
why does it have this tone, especially since it's a story of hope? I mean, an empire of hope is is one of the lines that's that's talked about in the in the movie. Yeah. Why? Well, let me ask you, Chris, did, did you leave with a sense of hope after the film was done? I did. All right. Well, that's the answer. I think sometimes uh, the idea is to, to when you delve into the deepest darkness, it can't help but uh, let, let the light shine brighter. Uh, I remember this story I heard uh, about some saint somewhere who um, was talking about darkness and light. And, and they, they told another person that was there, hey, look up into the into the night. What do you see? I'm sorry, look, look, look across the horizon. And it was very dark. What do you see? And he says, I see nothing. And he said, well, look up into the sky. What do you see? I see stars. And he's like, the further, the deeper, the farther, the darkness, the easier it is for the light to shine. And so what we really wanted to do is, um, is plumb the depth of the darkness of what Mother Cabrini was facing so that her light could shine all the brighter. But I thought, what'd you think of the cinematography, Chris? It was, it was awesome. I, I think the, the shots of, of especially then like walking down the streets of Five Point just really showed the misery. And yet, um, in, in a way, it just it showed her dignity. She almost walked regally, yeah. I think. And that was, I, I think it made a difference. There's one scene in particular that, that, that shows that when she was walking in the beginning, if you recall, when she um, came across a prostitute. So for the viewers, not to spoil anything, but there's a, there's a moment where they land in New York and they don't have a place to stay. So they're walking around finding a place to stay. And uh, this is based on, on true events. The, the first night that, that Mother Cabrini arrived in New York, um, the priest that was supposed to meet her wasn't there. So they wound up staying in a place that actually doubled as a brothel. And so um, on, in our film, on the way, she, she comes across a prostitute and she tells the prostitute, um, ask her if there's a place that they can stay. Now, if at this point in the story, you know Mother Cabrini and you know her well enough to know that if she needs a place to stay, she's going to find a place to stay, right? And so the way this was directed, uh, which was brilliant on, on behalf of Alejandro, our director, was she, she wasn't asking Victoria, as the name of the prostitute, Mother Cabrini wasn't asking Victoria about a place to stay for Mother Cabrini's sake. She was asking Victoria for Victoria's sake. Right? What better way to give someone dignity than to ask for their help? Yeah, much like Jesus asked Zacchaeus to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have dinner at your home tonight. There you go. Nailed it. Thank you. I'm going to use that going forward, Chris. That's exactly the perfect example. Thank you. Yeah. So Cabrini opens in theaters on International Women's Day, which is March 8th. Why was this important to you to, to pin that date down? And what do you hope people take away from the film? Well, first, I want to thank Angel Studios. So they're the guys behind uh, The Chosen, the distributed Sound of Freedom for us, because this is going to be their they're distributing Cabrini. And this is going to be their first worldwide release. So we did it on International Women's Day because we wanted it to be a, a worldwide release. And we did it on that day particularly uh, precisely because of the strength of Mother Cabrini. We thought if there is a woman role model out there, if we can plant our flag for, for, uh, for the dignity of femininity and the strength of an awesome woman, um, what better role model than the first American saint? So that's why we chose, chose uh, on that day. And uh, the beautiful part is with, with Angel Studios, they have the technology and the capacity, no other studio does, where you can actually go buy tickets right now to the film um, at angel.com and uh, in your area, in your theaters, at whatever time you want, and even up until an hour before showtime, you can change the time, you can change the theater. I mean, their technology is unbelievable. So um, you talked about some of the films you, you did, Bella and Sound of Freedom especially, both earned more than 10 times their production budget at the box office, which is unusual for faith-based films. 
what's the secret to getting people to pay to see movies like this in the theater? Well, first, um, you know, we're not intending to make uh, faith-based films in as much as that term is kind of used. We want to make films that are, that are universal, that are meant for everyone. Um, with Bella, it was just a strength of, of the grassroots of people just getting behind the film and seeing, I think, the beauty of the acting and the beauty of the message and a very, very strong message for life. Um, and I think that helped. With Sound of Freedom, uh, that was that was insane. I and mean, we didn't expect it. It was a film that we made that we didn't think was even going to get distribution. And it hit some sort of zeitgeist and uh, and was able to take off. Um, but yes, the, the idea for us is we want to make these films that don't alienate our faith, uplift our faith, but are meant for a universal, as broad an audience as possible. And particularly with something like Cabrini, which is a, a film about a saint, but it's a film that we want everyone to know her and everyone to be inspired by her, kind of like Mother Teresa was. Uh, so um, we're imploring people's help, right? We don't have a, a major studio like Disney or or 20th Century Fox or, or, or whatever behind our film. So the only way that these films get out there and, and this, the, the theaters decide to pick them up and keep them in theaters so that this message can get out more and more is if people um, purchase tickets and support the film. And this one in particular, I can say uh, in humility is... Um, it was made as a non-for-profit, right? So none of us here are, are actually making any money off of this film. There's no um, participation on the strength of the box office. All of the proceeds um, are going to be going towards towards charitable organizations in the line of Mother Cabrini, you know, for the sake of the orphan and, and the poor, the poorest of the poor, that sort of thing, hospitals. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that's awesome. It's really cool. That was one of the deciding factors to help us, you know, dive full into this film without the fear that, uh, well, what if this doesn't get distributed or what if we don't get the money back for the investors? You know, Eustace Wolfie then said, we're going to do this all as a charity. And that was, a, yeah. that was a beautiful thing. That's kind of in the spirit of Mother Cabrini. It takes us back to the beginning. I think that's why it makes sense that she's listed as our executive producer, right? Exactly. So your last two films, uh, both Sound of Freedom and Cabrini, have been based on true stories. Obviously, you have to take some creative license with that. But every everyday people kind of stepping out of their comfort zone and make trying to make a change in the world. Why do you think stories based on true people and circumstances are so important? And are you going to keep kind of trying to do that? We, don't, we didn't set out necessarily to make stories on, on um, true to life individuals. It just so happened. Uh -huh. uh, with Sound of Freedom, we happened to meet Tom, uh, Tim Ballard uh, it was already in our hearts to do something in the realm of trafficking. But when we heard the story of Tim Ballard and he told us the depth of the problem, we thought, wow, this, this is incredible. And this story is better than anything we can come up with. So we went that direction just because we thought this is a real problem. People don't know that it's a problem as, 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 as deep and as wide as it actually is, uh, child trafficking and child pornography. So we thought we have to do something. Um, with Mother Cabrini, it was this particular devotion that Eustace has. And when he told us his story and his incredible underdog story, we thought, well, okay, we're in again. As so happens, our next film happens to be on a, on a, on a true person as well. Uh, we're going to try to make a film uh, around the life and times of someone you might uh, recognize, Chris, uh, Our Lady, the Virgin Mary. Yes. So yes, that's what we're, we're trying to do next. And again, it's 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 in the strength of the story. In this case, it's going to center around uh, the slaughter of the infants and the, the the fleeing from Jerusalem to Egypt. That'll be interesting. A lot of scripture behind that one.
We have just a little bit of time left. Uh, I know one of the marketing strategies that you have for this film, done it for others, is to ask people to pay it forward by buying a ticket for somebody who might not otherwise attend. How do you distribute those tickets if somebody wants one, or do you end up with some empty seats? No, last time, uh, just about all the things, over 99% of freedom were were given away and used. Uh, and thank you for bringing that up. Most people don't understand Angel's system. Uh, they think, oh, they're just buying tickets and then they're going, no, the tickets don't get registered as box office until they're redeemed. Okay. These tickets only count as box office when some somebody actually goes in and gives their uh, email, redeems the tickets. It's uh, two to four tickets per individual email, chooses a, a, a theater, chooses a, a time for the show and then redeems the ticket. That's when it counts as box office. So the way the way we did it was organically. We just started promoting, hey, we have all these free tickets and people came out of the woodworks. And then there was few entities. One of them, was, I know, was iHeartRadio that started just giving them away. Uh, there was plenty of radio shows that were just giving them away as, uh, as, um, as contests to their shows. Um, so yes, it, it was beautiful. I think it was something like 18% of the box office. Don't quote me on that necessarily, but it was somewhere in that ballpark where people that, that hadn't been to a theater in over two years. Um, so it's wonderful. I think it worked to get people out uh, to see, to see these movies and be inspired that otherwise would have never gone. Well, it certainly uh, Cabrini was certainly inspiring to me and my wife as we watched it. And I, and I think, I hope it does well for you. It, it, I've checked our theaters in our area. It's scheduled for at least a week uh, starting March 8th and, and going on from there. So hopefully you, you get a, a renewal there. We have been talking today with Leo Severino, one of the producers of the new film Cabrini, about Mother Frances Cabrini, the first American saint, the first American citizen saint. Uh, the film opens in theaters all around our region and around the world. March 8th, you can find showtimes and other info at angel.com slash watch slash Cabrini. Thanks so much for being with us today, Leo. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for all your good work and the incredible support. I appreciate it so much. And thank you to all your listeners. Thank you. This is Christopher Gunty of The Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us 
and keep us always in his love.